0: Satan's Last Strike, False Authority, Part 1, is the title of message number 8 of Dr. Joel Hunter's series, The Church and the World of the Future, a study of the book of Revelation. From the New American Standard, Dr. Hunter's scripture text is Revelation chapters 13 through 15. And now, let's begin. Well, I am so glad you came today, and you're going to be glad too, because we are going to spend the next two weeks talking about uh, some of the most controversial uh, passages in Scripture, we're going to be talking about the Antichrist, and, uh, and I am very excited about teaching you um, what is and is not the Antichrist. Now, if you will turn to the 13th chapter and get your Scriptures ready, uh, what I want to do is begin, as we have uh, sometimes in the past. With some uh, graphic uh, pictures of what other artists have seen in the Book of Revelation, you know, the Book of Revelation is theology in picture. It is theology in, in visual image, and so we've been using a lot of visual images because sometimes when, when we don't, uh, when we aren't well schooled in, bi- in biblical images, it's very difficult for us to uh, conjure up these images in our minds. So a little help uh, never hurt. So go ahead and put up the first slide. We have two slides today. The first slide is from our old friend, Albrecht Durer, who wrote, um, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm sorry, who, who did this uh, print uh, in the late t- 1400s, early 1500s. Uh, focus just a little bit. See if you can get that a little bit sharper, if you would, please. Especially these, uh, This. Uh, there you go. Okay, thanks. Maybe it's just my eyes. <laughs> it probably is. Um, I want you to see several things. First of all, remember last week we talked about the woman... And the child now lifted up and protected um, from the evil one. Uh, the, the child is near the Lord. I want you to notice uh, later on we'll talk about the sickles of reaping that both the angel and the Lord himself has. Um, some of what we could not include on this slide was uh, another angel that is carrying the cross, which is instrumental in every scene here. Now I want you to see the first beast that comes up out of the sea. And, and what you may not be able to see because we couldn't, couldn't couldn't include it in the slide is this, see this little cliff down here? Out here in the, <coughs> the rest of the print is the sea. And this weird animal uh, that you will read has uh, different features of a, of a leopard and a bear and a lion and seven heads. One as if it were slain. And, and unfortunately, again, we had to lop off that head. Uh, it's, it's, it's good and dead. Uh, received a fatal wound, it says in Revelation 13:3, 3. Um, and that fatal wound was eventually healed. But I want you to see that it has seven heads standing for, in this case, because it is the beast. Not uh, omniscience, but perfect craftiness. The horns are the symbols of power, you remember. Ten horns. Uh, the, the the crowns are the symbol, not of victory, not Stephanus in Greek, but diademata, <clears throat> which is the crown of appointed authority for a purpose, for the purpose of God. We must always remember that these beasts, as Satan today, only has derived authority. He has no authority of his own. It's only the authority that God gives him to accomplish God's purposes. And so therefore Satan has no authority in your life other than what God would allow him so that God can perform his provision for you. This is the first beast. The second beast, and you see the crowd worshiping him. The second beast is, <coughs> excuse me, coming up out of the earth. Um, it says it looks like a lamb. Now I don't know what lambs this guy had been looking at, but that's not like any lamb I've ever seen. Uh, but there are two horns, and in scripture, two is the number of testimony. You know, you need the witness of uh, two witnesses in order to f- to have a solid testimony. In this, it is, in this case, it is false testimony. Uh, this this creature later is called the false prophet. Uh, but it is false testimony. Now, I want to show you a slide I like even better. If you will show that second slide. This was a slide that was... Uh, um, this is a painting that was done by an unknown artist in the same uh, region that we just uh, read the Belgic Confession from. This is in the Netherlands. This comes from the Netherlands about that same time or a little bit before the Belgic Confession. And... Uh, Uh, what I want you to see here are several things. First of all, this is uh, St. John who is recording the revelation that he sees. This is, of course, the Lord. I want you to see in this the false trinity. Now, when I say that Satan has no power that is not derived, he also has uh, simply imitative powers, and that's how he works. He deceives us by imitating positive things and tries to get us to go toward them. And so, we see pictured in this 13th chapter what is the anti-trinity what is the false trinity because we have already learned that the dragon is Satan himself that is the anti-god the beast the first beast that is coming up out of the sea that is now receiving the authority from the dragon we will find is the antichrist he is the one with the image that is he was has the image of the head that was slain and is now revived, and you will see different images that correspond to Christ in this, because the beast is to be worshipped along with the dragon, just as Christ is to be worshipped along with God. Um, you will also note that in 1 John chapter 2, verse 18, it says this: Children, it is the last hour, and just. As you heard that Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have arisen. From this we know that is the last hour. So I want you to begin to think that there are different forms of the Antichrist. This is not just one guy that we're looking to finish off here. There are different forms of the Antichrist that come out. Remember in Greek, anti does not necessarily mean against. It means in place of or instead of. So therefore, these antichrists won't necessarily be people. <coughs> excuse me, who come out and take their stand against Christ? They will simply offer you something in your life that would replace the role that Christ has to have in your life, or, or says that it does, <coughs> or would elude the fact. So we have now many beasts. See, there's one who is being worshipped here. There is one who is um, one down here in the tabernacle. Um, and one who is who is over, overseeing the slaying of those who will not worship him. There is also the second beast that comes up out of the earth. In here, picture it's having the two horns, again, many of them. This beast is the image of the anti-spirit. Because you will read in scripture, if you did your homework, that the function of this beast is to get the people to worship the first beast. And that is the function of the Holy Spirit to guide us to worship Christ. The Holy Spirit doesn't do anything on His own. He guides us to Christ. And so in this picture, it's very accurate. You see that He is making the mark of the beast over here. Um, he is getting people to worship the first beast, and so on and so forth. Okay, now you can uh, uh, bring back the lights and, and let me let me talk through this scripture with you. And what I'd like to do for the next 20 minutes is just pour content into you. Um, I hope that you will just excuse the content-heavy not excuse it, take it in. Because I have a lot of information for you. When I, when you read this chapter, I want you to read it with all of the available information in order that you can interpret, with the help of the Holy Spirit, the Scriptures for yourself. Alright? Let's just read through this. Chapter 13, verse 1. And he stood on the sand and on this, uh, of the seashore, and he saw a beast. <clears throat> Could I ask one of the uh, ushers to get me a glass of water? I'm, for some reason I'm going dry and... And uh, it's irritating everybody. Um, and I saw a beast. Now, now I want you to, to, to note here, the Greek word for beast here is not the same as the four living creatures. That was zoa, and it means um, simply another uh, life form. This word for beast is therion, and it means wild beast who is looking to devour. This is a predator who is looking for prey. That is the Greek word here. And I saw a beast coming up out of the sea. Now, in Scripture, the sea is is a symbol of the nations and of the government of the nations, of the structure or or of the overriding organization of the nations. Uh, You can see, for example, in uh, uh, Revelation 17, uh, 15, it says, And he said to me, this is the angel who is communicating to John, The waters which you saw are peoples and multitudes and nations and tongues. So you know that the sea here stands, and every every commentary you read, or every credible commentary you read, will say that the sea is a, a symbol of the people and their government, mostly of false government. Those structures who have authority over us, who have no business having authority over us. Okay? So I want you to connect that with the first beast. Having ten horns, seven heads, and on his horns were ten diadems, and on his heads were blasphemous names. Now, you will read repeatedly, <coughs> thanks Greg, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. You will read repeatedly that this word blasphemous, it's in, it's in verse, uh, uh, one, it's in verse five, it's in verse six, and so on and so forth. The function of Satan is blasphemy. The only unforgivable sin is what? Blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is the one who leads us to God. And so if you resist the Holy Spirit, it's not because God's unwilling to forgive, it's because you aren't being led to God anymore. And so therefore, here's what I want you to remember about blasphemy. Blasphemy, in a very simple definition, is this. Anything that belittles God is blasphemy. Anything that belittles God or would make God seem less is blasphemy. You know why? Because it results in what it says in verse 8. It results in the worship of something else. If you belittle God in your mind, are you going to worship God? No. Because you've got something there that's too weak to help you out. and uh, Too weak to answer your needs. He's not God. And so the function of Satan is always to belittle God. To say, uh, you know, he's not important. Uh, he, it's, that religion stuff's not all it cracked up to be, and so on and so forth. Blasphemous names. And the beast which I saw was like a leopard, uh, like a leopard, and his feet were like those of a bear, and his mouth like the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave him his power. And I want you to picture the father giving the son power here. That's exactly what's happening in in the other realm. Gave him his power and his throne and his great authority. Um, So on and so forth. Now let me tell you about the images that have just been conjured up here. If you will read uh, the seventh chapter of the book of Daniel, you will see the same images. You will see four creatures coming up out of a sea. And you will see that they are the leopard or the panther, the bear, the lion, and so on and so forth. And then there's ten horns, which everybody says would stand for Rome, the political power of the time. Excuse me. Now, in Revelation, you have a compilation of those things in one creature. Now, what you also need to know in order to understand this fully is that each of those creatures was a symbol for a a country or a uh, 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 a dominion, uh, a uh, a reign of worldly power. There was the symbol of Babylon, the symbol of Medo-Persia there was the symbol of Greece and there was a symbol of Rome each of those earthly reigns or earthly kingdoms were known for something and they were known for Babylon was known for, known for its sensuality um, they had all kinds of religions with, with female priest prostitutes and so on and so forth, known for its sensuality sexuality, the sensual delights of life uh, Persia was known for its mysticism. We would call it today um, uh, psychic, New Age stuff. All right, um, it was the the, the the Magi came from Persia. You know how they found the star? They did astrology to find the star. They were they they were magicians also. So there was a there was a depth of 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 uh, uh, magic and, and mysticism from this country. There was also the symbol for Greece. Greece was known for its thinking, for its knowledge, for its philosophical uh, sophistication. And then lastly, Rome, that's always been known for its political power. Now think with me for a moment and see if you can just conjure up in your mind a compilation nation... One that has all of these things developing rapidly at the same time. Can anybody think of a nation that has this absolute fascination, fixation with its developing sensuality and sexuality, this this uh, obsession with sexuality, while at the same time is developing so rapidly this philosophy of mysticism and magic and New Age stuff, while at the same time is increasing by leaps and bounds its dependence on philosophical and technical knowledge, while at the same time is trying to solve all of its problems by political means. Anybody think of a country that might uh, resemble? Uh, I can think of at least one. And so there is this spirit of the Antichrist that is very definitely descriptive of the philosophy in which we live. Read on with me. It says, <clears throat> um, and his fatal wound was healed. This is verse three. Uh, again, the image of Christ here. Now look in verse four. It says, and they worship the beast. These are the ones who worship. These are the ones who are not of God. And I want you to see the philosophy they had for worshiping the beast. Look at the philosophy. Look at the reason. They worship the beast saying, Who is like the beast? Who is able to wage war with him? You know why they worshiped the beast? They gave up. They said, this thing's too big. I give up. I can't fight this thing. I haven't got any power. I give up. You know what? Somebody once wrote a poem. said, the world ends not with a bang, not with a bang, not with a bang, but with a whimper. And that's exactly how Satan wins. People give up. I cannot believe how many people are already let's just take this this casinos thing. I cannot believe how many Christians I hear saying already, well if we defeat it this year, they'll just come back next year. So we might what's the big deal here? We might as well just give up. The big deal is it's wrong. That's the big deal. And it doesn't matter. It does matter who wins at the polls, but that's not the big question for the Christians. The, the big question for Christians is what's right? I, I cannot believe the naivety of Christians not understanding this is mafia. This is, the mafia has not changed its line for 70 years. You know what they used to tell the old shop owners? They used to say, hey, you pay us this little bit we're asking and we'll protect you against the real trouble. What is the line of casinos right now? You let us have this limited thing and we'll see that nothing real bad happens to you. It's the same line. Where do you think the money's coming from this? You think it's coming from the citizens? It's coming from organized crime. Where do you think the money will go for this? You think it'll go to the citizens? It'll go to organized crime. Don't we understand this? This is a very simple matter. And here's, here's what even brings it home even more. You know, as far as I understand this mandate, as far as it's been explained to me, that if this thing passes, it is mandated that we won't have a dog track over here anymore. We will have a 24 hour a day, 7 day a week, 365 day a year casino going on over here. It's stone throw from two schools. Do you believe the kids won't be over there? Please, you can't be that naive. We must realize, we must realize that this thing is wrong. And now roll over for it. Well, let me go on here. It It just drives me crazy. Okay, it says, and and it talks about uh, all worshiping that first beast. In other words, here's what's happening. I told you the first beast is systems. People turning their lives over to systems because they're too lazy to think for themselves anymore. And I don't care what these systems are. You know, all of us have systems in our lives because we don't want to have to think about every little issue. But what happens is, at some point, we we relinquish the responsibility for running our lives to those systems. And then they take on this oppressive nature. And we begin looking to them for our salvation. We begin to look into them for the guidance for our lives. And that's exactly what the first beast is, the Antichrist. Looking to the system to somehow save us. Now watch this. It says in verse 11, And I saw another beast, and I'm going to talk more about this beast next week. Saw another beast coming up out of the earth... And he had two horns like a lamb. Now, this is the symbol of false religion. There were two systems that combined to kill Christ. One was the government of Rome, and the other was the system of Judaism, not Judaism itself, but the religious organization that felt threatened by Christ. So there was false government and false religion that was opposed and killed Christ. Those are the very same things. That are opposed to Christ today. Look what it says coming up out of the earth. It says in James three fifteen that the philosophy of the earth, the thinking of the earth, is is not from heaven, but it's it's earthly and demonic. It says and he exercises all the authority of the first beast in his presence, and he makes those who dwell uh, in it to worship the first beast whose fatal wound was healed. And he performs great signs so that he even makes fire come down out of heaven to the earth in the presence of men. Now, what happened when the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost? Fire came down from heaven. You see, it's the same thing. It's, it's, the, it's the image. It was, it's the imitation of what God's doing. And it says, and he deceives. And again, I'm going to talk next week about our, our predisposition to be deceived. But he deceives... Those And he tells them to make an image to the beast. And and by the way, in Greek, this isn't just a one-time order. This is a continual build-up. Because we've heard it again and again and again and again. And so finally, we're just convinced this is what we ought to do. And then it says, and there was given uh, to him to give uh, breath to the image of the beast. And that image of the beast might speak and cause as many as do not worship the image of the beast to be killed. And then it mentions the mark that is on the hand and on the forehead. Again, this is not the first time we've seen this. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 8, it says that you will think about the law day and night, and you will write it, on, and, and you will wear it, it says, on your hands. And today, to this day, Orthodox Jews have little phylacteries that hang off their sleeves, that have the law written in these little, these little scrolls, On their hands and on their foreheads. And what Satan has done, is done another imitation. And so he will cause people to be numbered. Now, you say, well, come on now, this isn't closely to realistic. This couldn't possibly happen. Well, do you remember what happened at the Holocaust? Remember what happened in the Holocaust? How were the Jews treated? They were numbered, weren't they? They were, they were made to wear symbols on their hats, but they were actually tattooed numbers on their hands. Let me tell you something that is just as interesting and premonitory to that, though. Most of the people that you talk to that lived in Germany at that time will say this. You know what? As obvious as it is now, we never saw it coming. We never saw it coming. You know the conditions before Germany, before that happened? Let me tell you what, what the conditions were. For 20 years, this is back in the, in the, in the early part of the century, for 20 years, before Hitler ever rose to power, before the first Jew was ever killed, for 20 years, there was a desensitization to life because they allowed abortion, and so therefore, life was no longer sacred, and then it graduated to, listen to this, the elimination of those who did not have a full life who could not live life fully before the first Jew was ever killed, 275,000 people were put out of their misery because they didn't have a full life. What are the issues we're talking about today? Abortion and euthanasia. Don't you think that can't happen in this country? Don't you dare think it. Now, read on with me. It says, and then there was the boycott... And it says in verse 18, here is wisdom, let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast. For then his number is that of a man, and his number is 666. Now, <laughs> I've heard so many uh, playful, uh, th- I mean it really is fun to play with this number. It really is. You can, you can, uh, there is, a, there is a, 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 a philosophy called gematria, and that is where you substitute uh, a, a number for a letter, and and there have been all kinds of names that have added up to the Antichrist, from the very earliest of times. People have people have said, well, uh, this stands for uh, for Caesar Nero. Uh, this stands for. Um, um, I mean, they went through all the popes. They went through Napoleon, Cromwell, John Wesley. I mean, I mean, they were, I mean, you know, you can always if 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 you got the wrong letters in your name, you're in trouble. You know, this is obviously not a system that God is behind. You know, this could place anybody in that role. No. What this is, and, and, and again, you can, you can have all kinds of fun with this. You, can, you know, this six, if you, and I've seen this done, if you were to, what time we got here? I, I won't take long. If you were to take, six is, is in triplicate. Six is the number of man. And it's simply the trinity here of man. There's a three form of man. If you were to take, uh, six stars and you were to place them in a triangle and then keep doing that because this number, this, this 666 is a self-contained number. You can take six squared is 36. You can take every number between, between one and 36 and add them to each other and they all add up to 666. If you were to take that little triangle, and you were begin, some of you with computers can probably do this, uh, and begin to outline that with the geometric progression of the, of six. What you would end up with the outside triangle is 105 stars on that outside triangle. 105 stars is 30 times 3.5. How long is, then, does this go on? It goes on for 42 months. Or, uh, three and a half years, three and a bit years, uh, times, uh, Average thirty days in a month, or uh, 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 um, that forty-two month time period, that three and a half time period, uh, that is also a derivative of the outside triangle of six sixty six. I mean, you can play all kinds of games here. The point is that this is a self-contained system. That is what it, that's what that's what it's talking about. When it's a symbol of man, it's a symbol of man unto himself. And so, what it really is is a symbol of man trying to be sufficient on his own every one of those systems that I put down for you is a system that is helpful if you use it but it can try to fool you into think, thinking that you can be self-sufficient on your own if you deal with it let me just make, take, take one one example and here I will tell you the difference between the spirit of God and the spirit of the antichrist and how it feels First of all, because because it's so relevant, let's just take religion. Religion is a tool by which we can have a personal relationship with God. That's what it was designed for. But us being the lazy people we are, wanting to give over our freedom so that other people will run our lives and tell us what to do, religions become systems. And when religions become systems, they have the spirit of the Antichrist. Now there, you will find. I remember reading one time. A, I'll never forget this. Reading a story of a Mormon woman who continued. She was a very wealthy woman, so she had the money to do this. She kept making trips to Salt Lake City, getting baptized for dead people. She got baptized thirty thousand times. First, she just started on her on her family, and then she was getting baptized for people like Napoleon and you know uh, Alexander the Great, and so on and so forth. She got caught up into this system. A Mormon elder said this, You know, I believe on Judgment Day, this woman will have saved more people than Jesus. Aha! There it is. There it is. You see how it becomes antithetical. The nature of a system, don't ever forget this, the nature of a system is always to be jealous of that which exercises greater power than it. Always to be jealous of power that exercises greater power than it. That's why systems will always be infuriated with conservative Christians. Because our orders come from something not of this earth. And that's our primary loyalty. Now, there is a relationship with God. I want to turn the corner here. And I want to tell you the way out of this system. The relationship with God is this. And the the thing that transcends this 666, this spirit of man, this system that is self-contained. And that's why we love systems, because we can manipulate them. We feel like we're in power, although they're the ones that do us in. I heard C.S. Lewis once said, um, "There's, there's, there's two sayings, one is heaven and one is hell. The heaven one is when people say to God, thy will be done. The hell one is when God says to people, thy will be done. I'm going to let you have your own way. That's the definition of hell. So here's this system of self-containment, this self-sufficiency. And there's a different spirit. There's a different spirit immediately in the first verse of the 14th chapter when St. John said, And I turned and I looked and I beheld the Lamb. He was free. He was free from all of that. And that's what sets us free. Not our systems, but our God. There's a different system in churches. You know... I've had uh, the occasion in the last couple of months just to have some good, solid one-on-one time with the other pastors of the larger churches in town. I sat down for extended periods of time with Mark Rutland and Howard Eddington and Jim Henry. Spent two hours this week with Benny Hinn. Let me tell you something. The spirit of those meetings was wonderful. These guys sat down with me, and they said, you know, we hear what's going on at Northland." We know our folks, a lot of folks are worshiping there. That's great. That is so fantastic. And you know what? I feel the same way. If anybody in here can, 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 and we advise it, we say worship more than one place. You know, if you are going to a Bible-believing, Christ-worshiping place, terrific. We love that. And you've heard me say before, not only do I hope you worship in more than one place, I hope you give in more than one place. If you're going to worship they're give to them for crying out loud. So that you see the spirit of freedom here. Our only concern is that people develop a relationship with God. Now let me tell you just the opposite. And I tell you this for a very practical purpose. There's a church that has become established in this city that I hear has targeted Northland because of our very encouraging uh, um, uh, words to our people say, get involved with with whatever uh, other Christians you can. This church has a cult-like uh, mentality about it that says unless you're baptized in our church you aren't saved. This church will co- will approach you and the name of the church I think is Central Church of Florida or something. It's a Boston, Boston Movement of the Church of Christ. You know, okay, Central Florida Church. Boston Movement of the Church of Christ. And they will approach you and say, how would you like to join a Bible study? And how, and how would you like to, for us to disciple you and, and grow in discipleship? Well, of course, all of that sounds wonderful. It really does. I mean, those are the words we use too. But try to leave and see what happens. Try to leave and see the oppression and the fear and the guilt. You see what that is? It's a system. We'll have, by the way, we'll have some brochures ready for you next weekend to give you some more uh, um, 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 knowledge about these these organizations, but I, I want you. I just want you to see the difference between a system that insists on its own way and a God who has said to you, "It's not up to what church. It's not up to what theology. It's up to me. I'm the one that's provided for you. It's by grace that you're saved, and that not of works, lest any man should boast." That's what, what I want to leave you with today. I want you to understand the God who called you here is the God who loves you. It's that God who will provide for you. It is that God who you need to get to know and you can get to know Him through a lot of different venues, but Jesus Christ is the way of grace. Our faith should not be a, a, a guilt-driven, uh, uh, self-contained, self-contained, uh, some sort of, of hard um, system that that if we just do X and X and X and X, we'll be better off. God says, I want you to learn to depend on me. I don't want you to look to any system but me. I don't want you to look anywhere but me for your salvation and for your holiness. If you weren't good enough to be saved in the first place, you're not good enough to be holy in the second place. You've got to depend on me. Let me provide for you. I looked, and behold the Lamb, John said. That's our answer. Now please stand and pray with me. God, as we see the wiles of the devil, as we, become to, as we come to understand that, that he does not uh, enter our lives by ugliness or by, by uh, confrontation, rather he draws us in. To those things that we believe would make us uh, better. Uh, God, help us to discern the difference between uh, you and the systems of this world. Help us to leave that false government of our lives and not to be afraid to trust our lives totally to you and to have fellowship with other Christians that celebrate your grace and are so glad uh, uh, at your astounding love that they can't think about much other than what you've done for them. And so, Father, we pray. God, I pray that anybody in here this morning who has been dependent on himself or any other system would lay that down and just learn to depend on you. That they would come to you and say, Jesus, I'm not good enough. I'll never be good enough. But you and your sacrifice Give me a relationship with God. Come into my heart and draw me to God. Take me up to Him. And all of the rest of us say, Come, Lord Jesus. Do that same thing continually with us. We pray in Your name. Amen. Now we're going to end with a strong song to remind you that no matter how depressing these sermons are, you're on the winning side. You're the strong side. Amen.